Hello, and welcome to Genesee Valley Church's online podcast. At GVC, our mission is simple. It's to love God, love people, and love life. This year, we want to reach further into the glory and the presence of our God and experience Him like we never have before. This year is going to be different. Can you feel it? I know you will be blessed by the message and the word that God has for you today. Here we go. Hey, are you ready to, uh, for the, the message? This is our last uh, message in this series, and it's simply called, I Know You Are, But What Am I? And this whole series has really been to help us have a kingdom mindset. There is a world mindset that looks at everything and filters everything from a world perspective. But then we as the children of God, there is a kingdom perspective. And if we don't uh, uh, give attention to and purpose to renew our thinking in our mind according to God's purpose and God's will, we'll think like everybody else and we'll fall in like the Pied Piper as the mice are following the leader, right? And so again, God has given us a reason to know who we are and again, know what God has provided for us. And so today, here's what I want to bring to your attention. I know you are, but what am I? And that is, is that today I know that you are rich. I said, you are rich. Now, I don't know if that just kind of ruffled your feathers right from the get-go, but I'm telling you what, if you'll get a hold of this and understand this, it will bless you and it will cause you to get excited to come to church. If you recall, there's been a verse that we've been endeavoring to share with you week after week, and it, is, it says that the Father has qualified us to participate with the full portion of the inheritance. Notice it says that God himself qualified you, so you don't have to do it for yourself. You don't have to earn it. And he said he qualified you to to participate, so you have an active part in this. And it says to participate with the full portion of the inheritance. So in other words, there's something that belongs to us as God's kids. And there is a full portion, but that also must mean that there's a lot of God's kids that aren't enjoying the full portion. Maybe just a glimpse, maybe just a sliver, maybe half. But God says there is a full portion for us to enjoy. And so this morning, your inheritance in God's eyes, he says, you are rich. Say it with me. Say, I'm rich. Rich. Amen. Some of you almost got excited when you said that. Now, if you've been from a traditional denominational background, you might have choked on your words in saying that. But I'm telling you, God says you're rich. And you might say, well, now I have trouble with that, Pastor. But listen, it's not according to what you have necessarily understood or what you may have interpreted what rich means. According to the word of God, rich means a full supply abundantly provided for. That's God's heart is for us to be to have a full supply and abundantly provided for. Amen. Now, the Bible says that we live in this world, but we're not of it. So now, obviously, we've got to see both sides, understanding that there is the kingdom of God and there is this world and we live in this world. 
And you also have to be realistic and understand that there is a world system by which this world functions. And if you don't know it by now, how many of you know that cash is king? In other words, what causes this world to work, what causes people to have influence or power is money, right? Money is what causes this world to, 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 to go around. And how many of you have experienced that life is just a little bit easier when you got a little bit more money? Come on, you realize that's not being sacrilegious. That's the truth. Life is just easier if you've got a little bit more money. It takes the pressure off of life in those certain times that you are facing certain things. If you've got enough money, then obviously uh, it, it takes the cares of life uh, away a little bit, right? Does that make sense? And so for some of us, we would say, well, you know, just uh, if I had a better job, then I would be okay. I just need a job that has more income, and therefore I would live better. Well, that's true to an extent. You would live better in the moment if you had more weekly income coming in. Obviously, it would satisfy or meet a need independently in the time that you have the income coming. But once the income stops, then so does everything else. And for that matter, just working a job is the lowest means of, <clears throat> of income or stability in a person's life. I said just having a job is the lowest manner in which I can make a living. If you'll talk to any financial consultant, they will say to us that the most important thing is for us to have multiple levels of income. So in other words, having a job is one source of income in our life. But for most people, what they'll end up doing is they'll work their life away to make money rather than having money work for them. Does that make sense? I said financial consultants will say the best way for you to have financial stability in your life is not to work for money, but to have money working for you. And so, if we're somewhat responsible, obviously we might establish a 401k. We might have some kind of savings or retirement set aside. But once again, you, if you're going to live according to the kingdom and not just according to this world system... If you're going to begin to know who you are in God, that you have been called to be rich, you are going to have to look at money differently than everybody else. It's getting quiet in here. Can you talk about money in church? Is that okay? Did you know that Jesus talked about money more than he did about heaven? Well... There must be something about this that we need to grab hold of. So once again, most people don't view money correctly. And I'm talking about the people in the body of Christ. Most people in the body of Christ do not live life with margin. In other words, they get all they can and they spend all they can. And at the end of the week, it's like, what do I have left over? Most people, most believers do not live life with margin, or you could say it this way, most individuals don't have money that has a mission in their life. 
Did you realize that you could have a mission for your money? In other words, there is a divine purpose for your money that God will begin to partner with you in this life to help you have the richness, the full measure, be abundantly provided for because it's his heart and it's his desire for you. It is the principle of the kingdom of God. Now, let me just address this real quickly because you might have been from the background of thinking, well, if you're poor, that means that you're just humble before God. In fact, we had one guy on our staff not too long ago, and he was raised in a, a, a background where they just had a lot of poverty thinking. And his grandfather was a pastor, and his grandfather told him, if anybody ever invites you to go preach at their church, he said, make sure you wear the most scrubbiest shoes, holes in the shoes, and therefore when they see your shoes, they'll feel sorry for you and give you a better offering. See, again, in the body of Christ, that has kind of become the ideal or the thinking that if you're a Christian, you just got to be poor. No, man, I'm telling you what, in the body of Christ, God has called us to be, help me out, rich, abundantly provided for, having a full supply. That's God's heart and God's desire. Now, concerning just the natural... Uh, Issues of life, if you will. There's some statistics that I looked up here. The average expenditures of 2020, uh, meaning the outgoing income of the average household, uh, it was said that in 2020, the expenditures were a little bit down than what they had been before. Obviously, we just were coming out of COVID. People were still kind of being reserved. And, and therefore, well, I guess, no, it wasn't. It was in the heart of COVID, wasn't it? Yeah, 2020. So a lot of people staying home. But here is the average outgoing expense of the average household in America. $5,102 per month. That means that the average household income was roughly around $60,000. Now listen to this. The average unaccounted for money or expenditures in the household was $18,000. So the average household makes $60,000 in America, and nearly 33% of the income that comes into the household, we don't know where it went. I mean, Starbucks, McDonald's, movie tickets, what RVs, yeah, whatever else, you know. And again, obviously, God doesn't have anything against us having a good time or going out, have entertainment or getting the McDonald's from time to time. I don't have a problem with that. But my point is this, is that nearly 33% of the average household income is unaccounted for. Are you getting the point? Nearly 33% of the average household income is unaccounted for. But dear God, isn't life so much easier when you got a little extra money? <laughs> Come on, wave at me. Do you believe that? Yeah. But when you got some extra, it's a whole lot easier to live carefree. But now here's my question for you. I really want you to answer this or ponder this internally. If it's easier for us to live this life having a little extra money, do you think God knows that? I mean, God created this world. He created the system. He created how this thing works. Do you think that God is aware of the fact that we as his kids, 
if we have just a little bit more, it's a lot easier. Sure. God is that way. Have you ever, as a parent, saw your kids, whether they be young or even if they're adults, you just bless them and say, hey, you know what? Just wanted to give you some. You're like, what's this for? Oh, I just wanted to do it. You know, I've had my parents do that uh, before. You know, we're going on a vacation. They'll just slip me some money. I'm like, what's this for? Oh, just some gas money or something. Well, why do they do that? Just because they want to ease the pressure of what you're doing. That's the heart of a parent or a father, right? So God's fully aware of the fact that life is a lot easier if we have a little extra. And so it stands to reason that as we begin to look at the scriptures, it begins to help us see God's heart. And Jesus said this in John chapter 10, verse 10. He says, he says the thief comes, he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He said, but I've come that you might have life and life more abundantly. And we've said that the, the definition of that is in quality and in quantity. So in other, for, in other words, for me to have quality and quantity of life, some of that has to be attributed to my ability to be self-sufficient or to sustain myself, right? To have the life that Jesus said, then there must mean that there's some kind of income or cash flow or I'm rich, fully provided for because it's the heart of God. Let me share another verse with you. 3 John chapter 2, or excuse me, verse 2. 3 John 2, he says, Beloved, come on, say, I'm beloved. Say, he's talking to me right now. He says, Beloved, he says, I wish above all things that you may prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. Did you hear that his wish, his desire, is that not only that you're healthy, praise God, he wants you to be healthy, but he says, I want you to prosper. It's the heart of God. Now, for some, when you are blessed and when you increase and God does something for you, you know that there's those people that are sitting back crossing their arms saying, well, I don't know what makes you so special because I know who you are and I know what you do and I know how you act. And I don't know why God would do that for you. But aren't you glad God isn't that way? He just says, my wish for you is that you prosper. And I love seeing that on your life. Look at what it says here in Psalms 35. Psalms 35, verse 27, it says, Let them shout for joy and be glad who favor my righteous cause and let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified who has pleasure in the prosperity of his servants. How many of you are servants of the Lord? He says he delights, takes pleasure in your prosperity. Now, don't over-spiritualize that and say, well, he's talking spiritually, brother. No, he's talking about you being prosperous in every aspect of your life, and God gets happy about it. In fact, maybe if we got a little bit more happy about it, God would be more apt to do it rather than us, boo-hoo, God, don't you know what I'm going through? He says, get happy. And it says, and God takes delight in the prosperity of of his servants. God did not create this earth just to abandon us and leave us without support. He did not create this earth and say, look at how much I love you. Look at how beautiful this earth is. Now you're going to struggle, live on Heartbreak Alley, and be poor all your life. 
God did not do that. He said, I've actually created a way that you can be financially stable in your life. How many of you want to know how I can be financially stable? Amen. Some of you are a little reluctant. It's all right because God says, you're rich. I know you are, and so am I. I hope by the time you get done with this today, you're, you're walking out here saying, I'm rich. God said, I'm rich. Now, how do I engage that? As I said, God has created or established a way for us to experience the goodness of God. And he's actually established a two-step financial investment plan. Now, you know that the Bible says, don't trust in un uncertain treasures. There's nothing wrong with us investing money in the stock market, trying to prepare for the future. But how many of you know that it's unstable? It's uncertain. And God says, don't put your confidence in that. But many of us will make an investment in that because it's something that we're doing and we're somehow in control of the circumstance. And so because we feel like we're partnered and have some kind of control, we feel like the outcome might be better. But if I can put my confidence in that, God says, I've got an investment program that is far better and it is a sure deal. Are you interested in knowing? Well, you're here, so you're going to find out anyways. <laughs> he said that actually in regards to this investment plan, he said it's not optional. He actually said it's a command. He said, this investment program I did to set up for your welfare and your well-being. He said, it's a command. He said, be a tither and be a giver. He said, be a tither and be a giver. So step number one, let's look at that. God's investment plan for me to be rich and to increase in this life is first to be a tither. What is it to be a tither? God says to be a tither is to bring the first tenth of your increase. Why does he say first? Because you know how it is when you start spending in all McDonald's and Starbucks, the $18,000 goes out the window and it's like, dear God, I spent it already. I don't have anything else to give. So he says, now you do it first, bring the first tenth into the storehouse or the local church and he says, and honor or worship me in it. Amen. The first tenth. Now, I know for many, people will say, dear God, I can't afford that. You're saying give 10% of my income? How am I supposed to be able to do that? But statistically, we just saw that the average household has 33% of their income unaccounted for. So if we would actually become tithers where we were intentional to honor God with the increase, it would cause us to become greater stewards of our money. We would have greater accountability of where what's going and what's going here and what's going there. All the while we give God the permission to bless our life because we're a giver or because we're a tither rather. Now, you might say, well, what's significant about this? Here's how God does it. He said it this way. He says, the tithe, 
the first 10% of your income, he says, it belongs to me. He says, it's mine. Just like the IRS, the government says, 30% of your income is ours. I don't know, I've never talked to anybody in the church that's tried to avoid paying taxes. I know that there's been a few people that have went to jail because they've tried to avoid taxes. But you realize that if you don't pay taxes, they're coming for their money. They're coming after you, and they know where you live. Well, God knows where you live. But the thing about God is that God says, even though 10% of your increase belongs to me, I'm not going to demand you to do it. I'm not going to make you do it, nor am I even going to take it from you. He says, I'm actually going to let you have it. And I'm going to give you the opportunity to bring it. Because when you bring it, the Bible says over in Deuteronomy, it says that when we give of our first fruits or our tithe, it's worship unto the Lord. So what God's saying, he's like, I'm going to let you handle what is mine because I want you to bring it to me. And when you bring it to me, I want you to worship me. I long for you to worship me, and I want to see your heart of trust and worship me when you bring your tithe. Amen? Now, let's look at that a little bit further in regards to what he says concerning that. In Malachi chapter 3, starting in verse 8. Now, once again, you've probably heard this many times before, but it says this. It says, will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? And God responds in saying, in tithes, in offerings. So did you notice what God says? You might say, I, I can't tithe. I just can't do that. Now I realize if you're just a new believer, this might be difficult for you to hear. And it's okay, I'd rather you hear it now sooner than later. Because might as well get on to the blessing and live in the rich life. Amen. But he says that if you withhold that which he gives you or allows you to have in your hand, he says you actually rob him. I would wonder if you would go to your mom or dad's house and you know where they keep their little stash up in the cupboard or in the sock drawer or the little safe or whatever they have and you go in there and you clean it out. Well, it's mine anyways. It's my inheritance, so I'm just going to take it now. Would you ever go and just steal it out of mom and dad's house? You wouldn't do that because you love them. But God says, listen, if you really understand what you're doing, he says, you're stealing. You're stealing from me. And I think much of it is, is that we don't understand the heart of it. For had we understood, we wouldn't necessarily rob God so easily. You doing okay? Praise the Lord. Pass the tissues. Come on, come on. Ah, funny. All right, he says, he says, you've robbed me. And he says, how? He says, in the tithe and the offerings. Then he goes on to say this. He says, if you rob me, he says, you're actually cursed with a curse. And we'll look at that in just a moment. God's not cursing you. He said, this is just what happens if you do. He goes on to say, he says, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And try me or test me now in this, says the Lord, or the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there is not room enough for you to receive it. 
And I, now here's the curse. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sake so that you will not uh, so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vines fail to bear fruit for you in the fields, says the Lord of hosts. And all the nations will call you blessed, for you will be a, de be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. First of all, it says this. It says that he will open up the windows of heaven and pour out blessings. If you look the word up, blessings, in the Hebrew language, it means prosperity. He will open up the windows of heaven and pour out prosperity on your life because you decide to trust God. Come on, somebody. He says, I will pour out blessings upon your life. Well, that for me is such a no-brainer. I want God to have permission to bless me. Open up the windows and he says, there's not room enough. I've got room, but you don't. What I've got for you and what's coming is more than you can even handle. But then he says, when you are a tither and a giver, he says, I also rebuke the devourer for your sake. Remember in John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus said, this is what the devourer does. He comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Amen. Now, please hear this the right way. I'm just, I'm just, I'm looking at it from the perspective of the word of God, the kingdom perspective. You all right? So don't hear this any other way. There are individuals that will say there is a virus out there. And I'm very concerned. I'm fearful. But sickness steals, kills, and destroys. So we know just by the nature of its personality, it comes from the enemy. But, but God says, if you're a tither, I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. So let me tell you. I just, I'll, I'll let you know firsthand, and I, I'm unapologetic about it. I am not fearful about COVID one iota. You might say, why are you not afraid? Because I am a tither. Praise God. I'm a tither and a giver. And God says he'll rebuke the devourer for my sake. So come on, devil. Try your best shot. Because the Bible says that God will stand between me and you because I'm a tither. Come on, somebody. Does that help anybody? Now, you might say, well, don't help me because I'm not a tither. Come on, just make the shift. Amen. All you got to do is make the shift and say, God, I'm going to endeavor to trust you. I'm going to endeavor to be faithful. Amen. All right. For the sake of time. Now, again, we could spend a week or, or weeks rather talking about these particular subjects, but I'm limited on my time. I'm talking about having a kingdom perspective. I said the first first financial plan or step of financial plan is to be a tither. That's to bring that 10% of our increase to worship and honor God. And God says, when you do that, he says, I can bless you. He says, but it's also connected to offering or to giving. It's not one or the other. It's not if or and. It's both. Now, you might say, well, why is that significant? Well, the Bible refers to your giving of offerings as seed. Because it says that you can sow your finances or your giving. So you could say it this way. 
To live according to the kingdom is to give to live. I invest in the kingdom of God so that I can experience the goodness of God. Amen? And when I'm a tither, the tither opens up the windows of heaven and prepares the soil for the seed to be sown. And when the seed is sown into fertile ground, what does it do? It produces a harvest. And I'll say this, and you might think this is funny, but how many of you realize you can farm money? If you can farm corn, you can farm money. You say, what do you mean? Well, how do you get corn? You sow it, right? You plant it. You invest it in something. Well, if I need more money, and if God says that my money is a seed, then I can sow it into fertile ground, and I can begin to expect an increase. Amen. And I'll talk about that just a little bit more in just a minute. All right, so step number two is to not only be a tither, but to be a giver or to give of offerings or to sow financially. Once again, I said that the scripture talks about uh, our giving is being likened unto seed. Now, you're familiar with the scripture that says over in Philippians chapter 4, verse 19, it says that my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches in glory. Now, you have to see that correctly because most of the time when we read that, we think that we're going to God out of desperation. God, I have a need. Oh, God, I have a need. And you said you would supply my need. You see the countenance? And so I'm trying to get God to do something. But he also said that if I'm a giver, there's a harvest. And so, therefore, it's just a matter of like, God... I have a need in my life. And because there's this continual outpouring of your goodness in my life, you will supply my needs. And you might be in the position where you say, you know what? All my needs are met. I'm good. And I want you to hear this rightly. But if all you're thinking is that my needs are met, I'm okay, then you have lived life selfishly. And you say, well, how is that? Because God says he will supply your need. So if he's looking to supply a need, that must mean that you need to present a need. Well, what would the need be? I don't know. Ask God. God, what do you need me to believe you for? Because you want to supply a need. What does that look like? And he might say, well, I want you to go bless this person. I want you to go do this. I want you to go to Africa. I can't go to Africa. I can't afford that. Well, I'll supply your needs. Right? And how many of you know that that need does not have to be under High pressure circumstances. Oh God, I got a need. No. God, I got a need. My kids, they have a need. So we're believing you. Uh, you know, the, our kids, uh, it's been probably about six months now they haven't played piano. Uh, there was a teacher that we had. And it's just really something big in my heart that our kids learn to be musical in their life. And so it's been about six months, and they've gotten real lazy with it. I've gotten real lazy, forgot about it. And so finally, I'm like, God, we need a piano teacher. And we specifically said, what we want is one that is a Christian, one that understands worship. And so I'm like, God, you need to supply the need. These are your kids as well as mine, and you want that more than I do. So just through a series of phone calls got hooked up with somebody and I know the person I know the church 
And he says, in fact, he says, what they let us do is they let us come right to the church. I'm like, well, what a great opportunity to learn the whole worship experience. So what am I saying? Did I get fretful and all worried and worked up about that? No, God, if I have a need, you have a need. So thank you that you're supplying it. Can somebody say amen? Amen. So if I'm going to trust God with what I need, I have to learn to trust God with a seed. My, my tithe prepares the ground for the seed that is sown. Now, if you have your Bibles, turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, and I'm going to read a, a lengthy portion of Scripture here, but it will help us understand some things. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. As you're turning there, you might see it up on the screen as well. Typically, we have that up there. I always forget we got the latest and greatest technology. But as you're turning there, I want to share this with you. I was a little bit reluctant to share it with you just because, again, it's just, you're just concerned about sharing too much information at times. But as I share it with you or give you the example, I want you to also put that into context with what we're getting ready to read. Back in September, uh, I had the opportunity to go on a minister's retreat. I got invited to go on this minister's retreat, and I knew one of the particular men that was heading it up. And so I was actually kind of excited about it. It was not a group of guys that I knew. I wasn't affiliated with them, but I just thought, well, this is a great opportunity to get some R&R, hang around with some amazing guys, and these guys that I was going with are pastors of ginormous churches. And so I'm thinking, man, I'm rubbing shoulders, baby. And so I get down there. My wife is really excited because it's just an opportunity to get away. And so she calls me up, or I called her one of the two, and she says, how's it going? And I said, well, I said, you know what? I said, I am just at a loss. I said, I don't even know how to put it into words. I said, I'm actually kind of numb. And she said, what's going on? I said, well, I was going down here thinking that this was going to be just a, a God thing. And I said, and I got down here with all these pastors. And I said, and it's a frat party. I said, the booze is flowing. I mean, they're toking it up. And I'm like, this is not what I expected. And so there's probably close to 20 pastors that are there. And there was only one or two other ones that weren't drinking, including myself, because I don't drink. And as the nights went on, it was almost implied, well, if you're not drinking, then you're just being legalistic. You're being an old fart. And I'm like, whatever. And I was really disheartened. And again, I said I, I share that reluctantly just because pastors are people, and there's all different kinds of them. But as I'm sitting there, I'm like, God, what am I going to take away from this? Because I'm really messed up right now. And the Lord said to me, he said, well, I've put you in relationship with certain people in a certain company, which is Pastor Hagen, Pastor Kenneth Hagen. I don't know if you know who he is. And he is the real deal. And it just broke me, and I just began to weep. I'm like, God, thank you for putting me in a relationship with these good pastors. My pastor's up in, in, in Midland, and Pastor Mark Hankins. And I'm like, God, thank you for these people of integrity that you've put in my life. Thank you that they're the real deal. 
And so I walked away from that weekend, and I, I'm still kind of chewing on it, and I'm asking God, I'm like, God, I'm really struggling with this whole week and what I experienced. I mean, God, you did some things in me, but God, I'm still struggling with it. I said, and you know, I'm so appreciative of what you put in my heart or the relationships you have that you've given me. And then it just came up out of the inside of me. Send a letter to Pastor Hagen. Tell him how much you appreciate him and Miss Lynette for just being uncompromising, the real deal, and just loving people. And then put a check in there for $1,000 just to say thank you. And it is, it blessed me because here's a man in the ministry that has poured more into me than he'll ever know. And because, in fact, as I'm viewing what I'm viewing, I'm actually saying, God, is anybody that I ever looked up to, are they even worth looking up to? I mean, is there anybody that really is of integrity once you get to a certain size in ministry or something? And, and so I was so appreciative of them. And so we sent them a check. You say, for what? Do they need the money? No. I just wanted to say thank you. And I wanted to just bless them. See, that is the giving. And the Bible says that God will lead you in your giving. There is fertile ground. So you can give the, the, the Salvation Army that's ringing the bell at the Walmart store. That's okay. But God's going to lead you to sow seed in significant ground. And it's always going to be, not always, but the majority of the time, it will be revolved around ministry or kingdom business. Are you tracking what I'm saying? And these are the means by which God, or the financial system that God uses to make you rich. Now, I know I'm running short on time, so let me read this quickly to you. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, starting in verse 2. It says, now these are people, you might relate to these people right now. It says, that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of joy and their deep poverty abounded in the rich riches of their liberality for i bear witness that according to their ability yes and beyond their ability they were freely willing so here's what it says it says that they had great poverty great affliction but they were led to be very generous into the ministry of paul and timothy and then it says that, yes, even beyond their ability, meaning they stretch themselves in faith. I don't know where I'm going to get it, but man, I just know that I need to give more. I need to be a, a greater blessing. All right, verse 4, it says, imploring us. Now listen to this, imploring us with much urgency that we would receive the gift of the fellowship of ministering to the saints. And not only as we hoped, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. So we urged Titus that as he begun, so he all, that he would also uh, complete, complete this grace in you as well. But as you abound in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all diligence, and in your love for us, now listen to these words, see that you abound in this grace also. Now he's going to define what that grace is. Verse 8 says, I speak not by commandment, by but I am testing the sincerity of your love by the diligence of others. Look at what it says here in verse 9. 
For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. So now he's getting ready to define the grace that he said that he wants you to abound in. He says, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. God said that there is a grace that Jesus made available. He left heaven and became a man, became poor. Listen, if you leave heaven, you can't get any more richer than that. He came to this earth, became poor, and it says that because of his poverty, he has made it possible for us to be rich. A full supply, abundantly provided for. But how did he say this grace was tapped into? By their generous giving. Amen? All right, verse 5 of chapter 9. Therefore, I thought it necessary to exhort you, brethren, to go uh, to you before, uh, ahead of time and prepare your generous gifts beforehand, which you had previously promised, that it may be ready as a matter of generosity and not as a grudging obligation. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let's stop for a moment. Notice he says, sow. He said, the gifts that you are getting ready to give, go prepare them. And he says, now, if you sow or give sparingly, you're still going to get. God, is, God honors his word. He says, now, if you sow a little, you're going to get a little. If you sow or give generously, you're going to receive generously. And so that's one side of looking at it. But there's another side. If you want to be cheap and chintzy with God, he'll be cheap and chintzy with you. You cannot have Mercedes living and skateboard giving. Amen. It has to be in proportion. Now, once again, you might say you're talking about money, Pastor. No, I'm talking about God's financial system. I know you are. What am I? I know that God has called you to be rich. But do you want to work a system? All right, let's continue and we're almost done here. In verse 6, he says, But this I say, who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one gives as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or out of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. So did you hear what it says, what he purposes in his heart? I shared with you how I was led to give to Pastor Hagen. It was in my heart. I didn't do it grudgingly or like, okay, God, you want me to do it? Man, I did it with such joy. I want to bless that family because they've been such a blessing to me. And then it goes on to say in verse 8, And God is able. I asked you the question, do you think that God knows that it's a whole lot easier for us to live this life if we have a little extra? It says here in verse 8, And God is able to make all grace abound towards you. What's the grace? That grace that he became poor that we might become rich. That all grace would abound towards you. That you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. Always. Abundance. 
Are you seeing that God wants to meet your needs and take care of it? God, just use me. God, just ask me, and I'll do it. And God says, well, if, you, if I can get it through you, I, if I can get it through you, I'll get it to you. Amen? Verse 9, it says, as it is written, he has dispersed abroad and he has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Now may he who supplies, now listen to these words, now he who may, that supplies seed to the sower and bread for food, supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruit of your righteousness. He multiplies the seed sown. God has stretched me over the last three years to be a bigger giver than I've ever been before. But I'm telling you what, I have lived better in these last three years than I ever have before. It was at the end of 2020, I think it was in our church prayer, we were talking about some things, and I said, you know what, I am so sick and tired of being sick and tired, and I'm not going to just barely get by anymore. Have you ever been in the place where you don't even allow yourself to entertain doing something because you instantly say, well, I can't afford that. And so you just get into the right, and you call it good stewardship. You call it being frugal. You call it being wise. No, it's just poverty mentality that has crept in, and you don't allow yourself to dream or to think because the budget says you can't. And I've said last, or the end of 2020, I said, I am refusing to allow circumstances or money to hold me down anymore. Because my God is well able, He's more than able, He's bigger, and He said He would supply seed to the sower. If I have a need, He would supply. Amen. Well, I'm preaching myself happy. I don't know about you. All right. He goes on to say in verse 11, while you are enriched in everything, for all liberality which causes thanksgiving through us to God, for the, uh, the administration of this service not only supplies the needs of the saints, but also it abounds through many thanksgivings to God. So not only does it bless you, it blesses others. And your tithing and your giving has an eternal reward. How many of you know that there are people that are going to be in heaven that are thanking God because you gave? You might say, why? There are people that receive Christ in this church because you were a tither and a giver. Eternity was changed because you gave. I know you're rich, and so am I. How many of you are ready to step up to a new place in God? And see God's goodness in 2022. Come on, let's remove the limits. Let's not hold back. Let's not put a lid on God. Let's go after God big time. Amen? Let's stand. With every head bowed and every eye closed. The scripture says that God has qualified you to participate with the full portion of the inheritance. God has already done his part. He just needs you to agree with and participate with him. The best is yet to come. And it all begins by knowing him. And so I want to challenge you this morning. 
This is not an issue or a question of the financial system that God has established. It comes down to the very basics of life. And that is, do you know Him? First of all, have you ever received Jesus into your heart? Have you ever said, Jesus, I need you. I'm lost without you. I'm going to hell without you. And God, I need you in my life. That's the first step of just inviting Him and receiving Christ into your life. But the second part is simply walking with Him and knowing Him on a personal level. When you begin to know Him, you begin to know who you are. And He's consistently saying, I know who you are. I know what I've done for you. Will you rise up and become? And the more walk that you walk with Him, the closer that you step in time with Him, you will find that you experience the goodness of God. So I'm going to pray just a general prayer over you this morning. If you're watching or listening online, you just received this prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for every single person that's here. If there's somebody that's watching, listening, or here that does not know you, it's a mere, a simple a prayer of saying, God, forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart. I receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And Father, upon doing so, I pray right now that you would visit every single person in this place. I pray that there would be such a hunger and a desire and a passion to know you. I pray that you would fill us with the Holy Spirit. Lord, fill us time and time again to overflowing. I thank you that there is a fire of the Spirit of God that's burning on the inside and a hunger that is unquenchable. And therefore, we're stepping over into a new year, experiencing the goodness of God. For God, you said that we are called to be rich in this world. In Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, Amen, amen and amen. Well, that's it. Do you feel the glory? Do you feel the filling? I know you do. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast and come back next week for God to move on your behalf again. Want to know more? Check us out online and our social media, all from our website, gvchurch.tv. We are Genesee Valley Church, loving God, loving people, and loving life.